The Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference is celebrating its 10th year anniversary of bringing women in ag together to listen, learn, network, and grow. The next conference will be held on November 19th through 21st, 2023 at the Sheraton Falls in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Join in on hearing over 25 expert speakers and role models from the egg and food sector that will provide you with inspiration, motivation, and new tools to help you succeed in your personal life, in your operation, or career. For more information or to register, visit advancingwomenconference.ca forward slash 2023 east or head to the link in today's show notes. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today you'll meet Rochelle Day. Rochelle's deep farming roots span generations with a diverse range of crops in her family's history. Inspired by her memories with family in the garden and driven by curiosity, she nurtured her own garden, expanding it season by season. Her passions grew beyond flowers, as did her knowledge, and amidst COVID-19's upheaval, gardening became her solace. This led her to establish Freckled Bloom Flower Farm, born from a desire to share the beauty and joy she has cultivated. I'm very excited for you to get to know Rochelle today on the podcast. Before we get to Rochelle's interview, I would like to invite you to share a rating and review with us of the Rural Woman podcast, whether that be on your podcast player of choice or over on social media or the show notes for the show, anywhere that you would like to leave a kind rating and review for the show, I would greatly appreciate it. Then I can share those kind words on an upcoming episode of the podcast. This helps other folks find the show and hear the stories of the incredible women in agriculture that I gratefully get to share with you each and every episode. I'd also like to remind you that we do actually have a listener survey that we would love if you filled out. This gives us more information about what you want to hear from us here at the Rural Woman Podcast, what we could be improving on, what you're liking, what you don't like, all of the things, all of the in-depth insider information that we would love to have from you, the listener. 
So be sure to check out our listener survey and you can find the link to that in today's show notes. Before we get to this week's episode, I would just like to send a warm welcome to our newest patron of the Rural Woman podcast, Kelsey W. Thank you so much for your financial support of the Rural Woman podcast. It's because of folks like you and all the other patrons of the show that ensure the stories of women in agriculture continue to be shared through the show. So thank you so much for your support. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Rochelle. Rochelle, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Caitlin. It's such an honor to be chatting with you today. I I feel the honor is mutual. I'm so excited to chat with you and dive into your story and to get to know more about you. So for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background. Who the heck are you? Where are you from? And how did you get your start in agriculture? Sure. Well, my name is Rochelle Day. I live in Oregon. So I come from a family that's been farming for multiple generations. My grandparents did orchard crops. My father was our, a small farm in eastern Oregon, raising anything from watermelon to corn to wheat and uh, mostly potatoes. And so I've always known agriculture, absolutely had a heart for it. From the very beginning, it was those memories of going and getting fruit from my grandparents and walking around the neighborhood with our little wagon and distributing the fruit has really stuck with me even now into my journey with flowers. So yeah, I've, I've had a long history of farming. I, you know, the focus for my dad was always to include his children in the farm. And so, you know, my brother's They definitely helped, but so did I. And I, to this day, really love that my dad didn't segregate me out of the conversation and the work. You know, I did anything from taking petioles and soil samples. And once I could drive, I worked the piler for the potato harvest. And then he decided to throw me into a 10-wheeler and that I was going to haul potatoes in the field to the processing plant. And I was such an intimidating process. And I was the only girl out there. There, I did some custom hay work as well, running the swather. There were some other high school girls that I worked with, but I was the only female out there. And so it was quite intimidating. And the guys were always like, you know, what is she doing out here? But, uh, It really put a foundation in me just in life that, you know, things can be hard. They may look like they're unachievable, but if you put in the hard work, you can do it. So, so yeah, you know, growing up in a farming family, you know, my dad always was like, it's really hard. He was a small guy in an environment where there were a lot of corporate farms. You know, he watched every penny. And that's how he was able to continue to farm and do it successfully. But, you know, he can't, there became a time in which he struggled to even to get the fertilizer guys to call him back because their focus was on these big corporate farms. So he mainly, my brother really expressed a passion in farming. He went to school and got a degree in crops and soil science and 
my dad just really encouraged him to maybe look at some jobs within these big corporate firms because number one, they provide healthcare and dental and a 401k. But as a small family farm, you have to take that out of your pocket and the expense can be pretty significant. And plus, you know, the, uh, the big corporate firms, they have the equipment, the staff and all the technology. And so he did that. But I left the farm and went to Oregon State University and got my degrees in business and healthcare, and then decided I would get my MBA as well and pursued a, a profession in healthcare administration for about 20 years. All in which time I, I loved my experience. It was a great one. I learned a lot, but I always knew that farming still was in my soul. And I met my husband there at OSU. He lived here in Estacada. This is where his family was. And he started raising Christmas trees back when he was a little boy. And even through college, he rented ground and raised crops to help pay for college. And so when we met and then I got done with school, I moved here to Estacado with him and we farmed Christmas trees. So farming came back to me in the way of Christmas trees. And I always loved gardening as I worked my full-time job with two kids, always built my garden. It got bigger and bigger and more flowers came into my life. I grew this obsession for plants and it really grew from there to the point where I had so much flowers. My I was giving them away for my, to my friends and my family and they had just suggested, why don't you try to start a business and sell your flowers or shells? So insert the pandemic when, you know, you were stuck at home and I mean, we live in about 40 acres here in Estacada. It was a beautiful sanctuary through all that time. It really got me thinking about maybe I'll make a go at flower farming. That's when kind of everybody started to, you know, get the craze of let's start a flower farm. Uh, so, yeah, that was really kind of my journey to flowers and flower farming. And I'm now going into my third season of growing cut flowers. And it's been a fun and exciting adventure. I think that you hit the nail on the head when it came to people discovering gardening in 2020. I know I am very guilty of that. Was the growth of flower farming in your area significant? Was there like a lot of people starting to grow flowers and more on a, I guess, larger scale basis? Yeah. So, I mean, the Pacific Northwest actually historically was the home for most flowers. And then insert kind of the flowers being imported into the U.S. from other countries those farms started to dwindle down because they just couldn't compete with the cost of stuff coming into the country. And so, yeah, there's been a huge growth in uh, micro flower farmers, which is exciting because, you know, I started the Local Flowers podcast because I felt like there's a lot of us out there that are trying to sell local flowers to our communities. And the more the voices get heard, 
the more awareness we bring to the marketplace and the greater desire our customers have to support local flowers because hands down, and I'm biased, but they are a better quality product. And you're when you're supporting a small business, that dollar stays within your community. I I just did a post about this the other day of, you know, I the money I made at the roadside stand, I went up the na- to my neighbors and supported them and bought bedding plants. So, yeah, there's been a huge growth in flower farms, especially like in this area, but throughout the country, which is exciting to see. So, what inspired you specifically? to go the flower route versus vegetables or you're in the Pacific Northwest. So you have the option of growing a lot of different things there. So what was, what was it about flowers? They're beautiful. I've been in love with them since I was a little girl. Vegetables are hard because it feels like there's a lot more regulations on them. You know, People, hopefully people don't eat flowers unless they're educated on what's poisonous versus what's not poisonous. But with food, if somebody gets sick, you have a liability with that as well. So it just felt like flowers were a natural fit for me, number one, because I loved them and I was growing them in my garden. And so, yeah, and then my husband does the Christmas trees. So that in itself is a ton of work a ton of investment. Uh, a Christmas tree takes anywhere from seven to 10 years to grow to maturity. So imagine dumping money into a crop year after year and seeing zero dollars until say year eight. And so, you know, we both have, well, at the time we both had full-time jobs investing in the Christmas trees that would help us kind of build our future together And so, yeah, vegetables, I love vegetables. I grow them in my garden for my family, but it was, the passion was really there with the flowers. I can, I can attest that flowers obviously are very beautiful, but growing them is very addicting. And I know for myself, it's just like, just to have seeds that you can throw out there. For me, my, my flowers aren't very uh, complicated. They're more or less like direct sow and then they'll come up. But there, yeah, there's something about it that just, it just adds beauty to the space that we're already in. And you're obviously in such a beautiful area in Oregon. So walk us through what your growing season is like. When do you have to start your seeds and walk us all the way through to when you're harvesting them? So, you know, growing up with my family, we usually had the winter off, you know, when the crops died and we finished it, when we finished harvest, you know, we had the winter where my dad hibernated or we took a family vacation finally. (laughs) Whereas in flower farming, that is not the case. Like this is a year round business. So, I mean, I am procuring all of my seeds and doing the ordering throughout the entire year, actually. And so in the fall, I do sowing to overwinter any cool flowers that I may be growing, but I really start seeds in December. So I start Lysianthus. It's my most favorite flower. It's gorgeous. It's probably the most difficult seed to grow um, because they literally take like nine months to grow from a seed seedling to a flower. 
that you can harvest. So I start the process in December and it really goes all year round. At this point, you know, we've had such extreme weather here in the Pacific Northwest. Our winter has been, it just really stopped like yesterday. (laughs) And then now we've got this like extreme heat wave. So although I've um, been seeding flowers inside uh, in kind of my grow room, I grow them on racks, most of them. And now I'm kind of transitioning to direct seeding because I just don't have the time to manage everything inside. This is when stuff starts dying. (laughs) So, but yeah, this extreme heat means, you know, most of us have been staring at our tulips for months, hoping that they would get going so we could sell some flowers. Well, now they're all coming off like right now. And so I've been knee deep. I came in here from the field pulling tulips and a little known fact there, we treat tulips as an annual. So we pull it up with the bulb attached and that way you can harvest the tulip, store it in a cooler, and then you can use it for say a month. And so that bulb really allows the tulip to be stored, have the food it needs to store it for that long in a cooler. So yeah, it's kind of like go time right here on the farm. And it just, it's all year round. <laughs> it's, it never stops. It doesn't stop. So where are you selling your flowers and how are you marketing them? So another reason why I started the podcast, because it's really amazing to grow the flowers, but to be a small business owner, you're, so as a flower farmer, we have kind of the titling of a farmer florist. So there are those that grow the flowers and then they also design the flowers. But then there are those that are just mainly growing the flowers and selling them, say, at a wholesale level. So they're not arranging them. So I I consider myself a farmer florist in which I'm raising the flowers, I'm designing them, and I'm selling them, which is a ton of work all in kind of one job description. And so I don't participate in Saturday markets. I have two kids that are at the age where they're involved in activities and sports. And then my husband with his trees, I just, I don't, it's not worth it to me to go sit down at a farmer's market all day long and the prep that goes into it. When I actually, my husband built me a roadside stand So I have like a little hut in which it's on the road and folks, I sell from it on Saturday and Sundays. And so folks can, it's 100% on the honor system. They can pull in, pick up their flowers, pay, and then they're on their way. And so I sell at the roadside stand. I also do pop-ups in our town. I'm doing some collaborations with some partners this year where they'll sell my flowers at their shops. Uh, Folks can order from my website on the days in which I don't stock the roadside stand. I do weddings too. I'm more focused on, say, micro weddings. I just, it's just me here. That's it. It's just me. So uh, I have to recognize where I can't do all the things. And so I do do weddings and yeah, really folks can reach out to me. I have, as I've been working 
you know, into my third year learned that I am getting stretched pretty thin. So whereas before I would have been like, oh, just send me a DM. Now I'm really asking folks to go through my online system and order flowers because I just can't keep track of like Facebook and Instagram and my email and did they send me a text and then I forget because there's just so much going on. It's, you know, as a farmer and a florist on top of all of those things, you're an entrepreneur. And like you said, all of those different avenues where people can connect with you. For me personally, it's a blessing and a curse because people can assume that you are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week through your phone. And while that would be lovely, that was sustainable, but it's not sustainable. So (laughs) good for you for building those systems and recognizing when you are being stretched too thin and knowing that you can't do all of the things. Get ready to join the celebration. The Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference is marking a decade of empowering women in agriculture to thrive, connect, and excel. From November 19th to 21st, 2023, you're invited to join us at the Sheraton Falls View in Niagara Falls, Ontario for the 10th anniversary edition of the Advancing Women Conference East. This event is your opportunity to hear from more than 25 expert speakers and role models in the agriculture and food sector. They'll share their wisdom, inspiration, and valuable insights to help you succeed in your personal life, your farm operation, or your career. As a listener of the Rural Woman podcast, you can use promo code AWCESPL23 to save on your registration. That's AWCESPL23. PL23. For more information or to secure your spot today, visit advancingwomenconference.ca forward slash 2023 East or head to the link in today's show notes. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to celebrate and grow. Join the Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference, where inspiration meets empowerment. I'm curious, you talked about collaborations within your community and stores and all of that. You know, with the growth of flower farming in your area, is that something that you've been able to build on as well Is the community and the collaboration with other farms around you? For sure. Yes. And going to your earlier point, just about managing it all. And, you know, I do live in a small community. So, you know, I think there's a lot more hustle that's involved in that. Whereas, you know, if I lived on a busy street, I live out in BFE. So I have to, I work so hard on marketing, doing the reels, doing the Facebook and just trying to get my name out there. And I think there's a lot of focus as a small farm on like doing social media. And what I am learning is that social media is a tiny fraction of what's actually coming to you at, and generating a dollar. And I, you know, living in a small community that is actually growing, but we're really spread out. I'm learning that I have to get in front of these people. I need to 
So I just did, I went to my son's middle school and they have a garden club. So I went there and I talked to the kids about soil blocking. I start most of my flowers in soil blocks. And so there were a bunch of volunteers there as well. And they had not heard about me. So that was a good indication of like, you know, I'm focusing all my attention on social media, but there's still a lot of people that don't know about me. So I also donate a lot of flowers. I take I call them garden bunches because they come from my gardens. I take a lot of garden bunches into my local businesses and drop off flowers. And the number of uh, messages and phone calls I've gotten from people that have seen my flowers in the restaurant or the store that would have never known about me is astonishing. And so I really learned that I have to actually get out there. And because I'm not participating in a Saturday market, which ours is really tiny, so I'm not sure that it would benefit me from going down there, is um, getting out in the community. And so like on Fridays, especially when I'm just swimming in flowers, I go do a pop-up outside of our uh, fitness center on the highway and the number of guys that come in <laughs> and get flowers for the weekend, they they don't follow me on social media. <laughs> and so I'm like, make sure you tell your significant other all about me and to follow me. But I really learned that I've got to actually a lot of boots on the ground, get out there and share. And especially when I I, I feel like I've learned that when I'm collaborating with local businesses, there's a relationship that I develop there. And so if I'm, you know, working with like a restaurant, for example, you know, somebody comes in there and they're chit-chatting about, oh, we've got this wedding come up. Oh, hey, did you know about Freckled Bloom? So I really found a lot of value in building those relationships. And I'm still working on it. Like. It's It's been a very creative process about getting my name out there and really building a brand within my community. I'm not sure I answered all your questions, so you might have to remind me. No, that's good. You did. It was great. Rochelle, what have been some of the biggest obstacles you've faced in the last three growing seasons that you've had? Managing it all. You know, being an entrepreneur, like you mentioned, is a lot. You put a lot on your shoulders to not fail and not just fail in starting a new business or starting crops. It's also like being a mom and a wife and a family member. There's a lot of hats that we wear as entrepreneurs and we can't manage it all. I used to work in the, you know, healthcare field. I got laid off, unfortunately, but it was kind of my jump start to like really dive deep into my business. But even when I worked as, you know, a healthcare executive, it, it was hard then to manage it all and feel good about I was succeeding in one of the areas. But now that I'm, farming and doing the floristry, it's the same struggle of just trying not to fail at all of the jobs that I have and the hats that I wear. So I'm having to find balance all the time. Like with my kids, 
having to stop and like really dive deep into, is this job important? And it's also about growth. You know, oftentimes, especially in farming, you know, there's really not an added value there for the consumer. And it's why I've focused so much on trying to educate people about the work that goes into it. You know, they, they won't want to spend a dollar on, say, a potato versus something that was grown organically from a family farm that may really require like $3, for example. So I really made it my goal to help educate everybody that's in my circle about my story and the work that I'm investing into these flowers, into this community, more than just selling them flowers, but the community that I'm trying to build. But just really managing it all is hard. And I learned that I have to draw a line too. I can grow so big and try to sell so much. But at the same time, I've got two kids and I have to find a balance there. And if I can, you know, break even or make a tiny bit of profit, that's the goal. But I also got to go camping with my kids during the summer. So it's just really been managing it all. And then uh, we talk a lot about self-care. I oftentimes don't partake in that, which is unfortunate. I sacrifice a lot on that side of the equation just so that everybody else's needs get met. And like with this last winter being so long, it was really depressing. (laughs) So, you know, I do have to find like time for that, though. I have recognized that I need to find a way to just cope with like the stress, you know, the seasonality and all the things. And so, again, why I started the Local Flowers podcast, because at least I can talk to flower farmers that totally get it. Yeah. Well, and you said it, right? It's finding the balance. And I truly believe that's basically a moving target depending on what season of the year you're in, what season of life that you're in. And you said something really important, you know, acknowledging that you need to take more time for self-care is a big deal because there are the folks who don't even acknowledge that they need to do that on top of actually following through. And, you know, self-care doesn't need to be getting a manicure or a pedicure. It could honestly be, you know, taking 15 minutes of your day and sitting on the couch and staring out the window or, you know, doom scrolling on your phone for a few minutes, like anything that you can do just for yourself that makes you feel kind of like a human. I think everybody needs to do a better job of that. So... Well, I think you said in one of your episodes, I loved your example of you and your husband holding hands and walking through the fields. Like that is awesome. And I feel like I need to do more of that because I'm at this stage of my life where my husband's, I mean, we've got so much on our plate and he's going one way, I'm going the other way. And we're just like maintaining life. And just I loved your example of that, by the way. And I'm like, I need, we need to do that. Like, we need to hold hands. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just admire all the work you're putting yeah. in to build, you know, your farm, your business, and just take a look around, like to stop oh, wait, yeah. working for a yeah, moment. For sure. 
Absolutely. So I want to flip that question then for you. What are some of the biggest wins that you want to celebrate over the last three seasons you've had? This is a hard one. You know, I feel like we focus so much on our failures and like our discrepancies that when we like want to talk about wins, we're like, oh, you know, I I feel like just this whole journey, really, if I step back and look at it, has been incredible. You know, I started growing flowers in the tiniest of places in between wherever there wasn't a Christmas tree planted to now I'm growing on over a half an acre. I developed that that big flower field last spring and, you know, I practice no-till. I've hauled so much compost by myself and now as like my specialty daffodils are blooming and I'm harvesting these flowers, it's just so rewarding to look at it and say, I did this with my own two hands. Like uh, at a time in which I was working full time too, that I've, that I've done this. So I'm just really excited about the whole journey really. And the evolution that I went as a woman a mom, a wife, like through the whole process, if I can look back on it, like I'm proud of myself for that. So yeah, that's amazing. And you hit it on the nail again of, you know, flipping that question around. It's really easy to talk about what all of the hard things are, but, you know, talking about and celebrating your wins and, you know, you, you provide such a wonderful service for your community. Like you, grow flowers, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, are flowers a necessity in life? No, but they should be because they add beauty to a space. And, you know, you are creating that space for yourself and you are giving that gift to other people. And especially, you know, in exciting times in their lives, whether, you know, it's Mother's Day or whether it's, you know, a wedding and, you know, you're there for the sad times too, but there's beauty in those things too. Absolutely. I have met so many amazing people through my flowers that I would have never met. And they've become like, I always say my flower friends have become my best friends. Mm -hmm. Like they've been there to support me. They come every weekend. They're cheering me on. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get emotional. Sorry. You're good. (laughs) You know, it's, it's hard work. Yeah, there's just a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. So, you know, to see somebody light up when they get them, it's just... Drop the mic. I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I have accomplished the goal. Absolutely. Um, you know, my my son, he took flowers. You know, I got done with a pop-up one day and I always have, these kids are with me uh, as much as they like. Sometimes I feel like I'm ruining their childhood by help, having them help me. I'm like, hopefully they're looking back on their lives because I feel like I look at back on my life now with my family and see all the things that I learned that I grew from, from just being a little kid on a farm. But, you know, they're, they're with me all the time and they're absorbing the marketing, the business, the entrepreneurship, how to learn to start something completely new. So I take them with me. And I just hope one day that this all benefits them. 
But uh, Tucker, I was like, go deliver these flowers. Just walk into this restaurant, find a table, and hand the flowers. And he did. And I got a call the next day from this lady. And she was in tears. She said, you know, my husband passed away last year. And this was our anniversary. And your son walked up to me and gave me flowers. And I felt like that was God and him talking to me saying, you're not alone. I'm here. And it's just, yeah, they may seem frivolous, but they bring so much joy. Just, I mean, if you're sitting at your computer all day in meetings, like having a vase of flowers next to you just allows you to look up and kind of daydream and think about all the things in life, what you want to do, goals you have. Like they're, they're such an insight into daydreaming and exploring your potential. So I've just, I've had such an amazing journey with them. I've met so many people, like I mentioned, that I would have never met before. And it's just been really exciting to connect with them. Well, that story made me misty. Thanks for that. Um, (laughs) So good. Rochelle, what advice would you have uh, to give to someone who's listening, who's thought about or dreamed about starting a flower farm? Well, number one, it seems dreamy, like we're out here with our um, princess ball gowns and our baskets with flowers, but uh, that is not the case. I told Caitlin, you can't video this and share it because I'm covered (laughs) in dirt, sweat, and I look disgusting. (laughs) So it, it seems like a very romantic profession, but it's actually super hard and dirty and you're working in some of the crappiest conditions and most farmers I'm sure can relate but you know I I love your podcast because you tell so many inspiring stories from women that are you know going through this journey with their family and trying to juggle it all and just trying to find their way in all of it too and so I just, you know, it is beautiful. Like the flowers are gorgeous and they do sell themselves. And if you have a dream, I say go for it. Plant the seeds. Start small. You may learn that this is not what you want to do. And that's really kind of my advice is just start small and grow from there. Because you'll learn along the way what you like and what you don't like what you're good at and what you really aren't so good at. So that would be my advice at least. Yes, I I can agree with that of the starting small and growing from there uh, because let me tell you, I am very happy that I have a husband who he, he's a dreamer in some sense, but he also won't let me own a rototiller because <laughs> if that was the case, uh, I would probably have a failed flower farm at this point. So, <laughs> well, this is where, um, you know, support your local flower farm because Absolutely. they need the support <laughs> and they grow incredible blooms. But then also grow some of the stuff in your own space mm-hmm. and just enjoy it. That's the thing, too, is. I have learned as I went through this journey, I have to have spaces that are untouched because I got into this for the love of the flowers, 
I cut most of them and sell them. And most of them we cut before they even open up. And so it is good to just reevaluate, like, is this something I really want to do? Maybe I'm okay with just my garden and then go support somebody who's doing it amazingly. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rochelle, what are your plans for the future in your flower farm? Well, I would, I am truly becoming connected with the flowers. I'm learning what I like to grow, what I suck at growing and stuff that just isn't selling. And so I just, I want to get more flowers into the hands of my community. I want to tell the story of local flowers and how by supporting a local flower farmer, you're supporting your community, that those dollars stay within your community. The carbon footprint that goes with local flowers stays within your community. And so, yeah, my goal is just to continue growing and learning what I'm really good at and growing from there. And then also just really focusing on the education side of it so that folks understand where their product's coming from and the hard work that goes into it. Absolutely. So good. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? We live in a beautiful place. I, you know, I live in the forest in the Pacific Northwest and I walk our creek every single day and just admire the beauty of nature. And just, I think, being in the presence of a quiet space is the most magical experience ever. So I went from the desert in Hermiston, Oregon, to the the forest in Estacada, Oregon, and I find beauty in all of it. The dirt, the desert, to the green and the trees. And I think as rural women, we have such a beautiful appreciation for the land and what it provides us with. And yeah, I just, I just appreciate the opportunity to live here and to grow here. Well said. Very well said. Rochelle, it has been lovely chatting with you today and hearing all about the beautiful flowers. For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? So I'm Freckled Bloom Flower on Instagram and Facebook. I have the Local Flowers podcast, uh, and you can find all of the information and links to things on my website, which is freckledbloomflowerfarm.com. Perfect. And all of those will be linked in the show notes. And anywhere you listen to the Rural Woman podcast, you can listen to the Local Flowers podcast. So thank you again so much for being here with me today. I truly appreciate it. Well, thank you, Caitlin. And thanks for what you're doing. These stories are incredible. And it's so great to hear from folks that we would have never heard from. But thanks to you, we get to hear their stories. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. online. A 
special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon.